Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for cookies and crime. Hey everyone, it's Karen T and welcome back to another episode of Cookies and Crime. You guys, the holidays are kicking my ass right now. Like seriously, I am working every single day from day to night working on cookies. At the same time, it's all good things, so I can't complain too much. It's a double-edged sword because I love the holidays. At the same time, it is making me want to pull my hair out. But you know what? It's all good things. It's all good things. I have one really big project that I am so excited to share with you guys. I can't say much because I've signed an NDA and I'm not trying to get sued, but this is something I have been wanting to work on for four years and I finally get to do it and I'm so excited to share it with you guys. But that's all of the updates I really have for you, so let's eat a cookie. So this episode's cookie is from Levane Bakery or Levane's. I always add an S at the end of every single business, but I'm sure it's just Levane Bakery. They are based in New York, but they ship all over the US and they were kind enough to send me a box of cookies for the holidays. So I don't know exactly what this cookie is, but it's definitely like a double or triple type chocolate. Like the whole cookie is brown. It's not a chocolate chip cookie. Um, and it's chunky as hell. This is a thick, thick cookie. So I'm just gonna break it apart. Ooh, she is thick. She's a very thick cookie. Oh yeah. If you love, love chocolate, this is the cookie for you. It is so gooey. There's a nice crunch on the outside, but it's so gooey on the inside. I've heated it up so the chocolate has melted. This is a nine out of 10. All it's missing is some vanilla ice cream and you'd be in heaven. I'm absolutely going to destroy this cookie. So this episode's case is a very unique one. I have never heard of any other person doing something like this, although I'm sure it has happened before because men are creepy. There's one part of this case that is very well known to most people, and I'm sure most of you may have heard of this case already, but this case also does end in a very tragic way that honestly, it's really gonna break your hearts because it broke mine. But without giving too much away, let's get into the case. This is the case of Daniel LaPlante. Daniel LaPlante was born May 15, 1970 in Townsend, Massachusetts and grew up on Elm Street. Daniel lived with his mother and stepfather. They lived in a cluttered environment with a massive junk and old cars in the yard. 
Growing up, he struggled with school. He was diagnosed with dyslexia at an early age. He went to St. Bernard's High School in Fitchburg, where he was known as a bit of a loner and not very friendly. Some of his classmates described him as creepy and weird. He never liked going to parties and he never really talked much. Even the neighbors thought he was a little off. They would see him walk into the woods behind his house by himself to play. And that's the only place where they'd really see him since he didn't have any friends or played with other neighborhood kids. As a teenager, he was referred to a psychiatrist who diagnosed him with hyperactivity disorder, which I assume is or is similar to ADHD. He was diagnosed because of his abnormal behavior, his appearance, and his lack of hygiene. I feel like lack of hygiene could just be a teenage boy thing. I would not put it past them because they can be absolutely disgusting. While growing up in Townsend, LaPlante was sexually and psychologically abused by many adults in his life, including his father, stepfather, and his psychiatrist. LaPlante's father was responsible for the majority of the abuse. This might sound insane, but it's very possible that this could happen. There's actually a word for it, re-victimization. It's when someone who's been abused in the past finds themselves being abused again. Kids who are sexually abused are far more likely than a non-abused kid to be assaulted again as an adult. And you also see that in people who grew up in abusive households end up being in very abusive relationships. So LaPlante could have found himself in this position because it's all he knows and victims of this type of abuse unfortunately do what's familiar to them. And according to Joe Turner, who wrote a book about LaPlante called The Boy in the Walls, which will make a lot of sense later on, his childhood was the perfect condition to create a serial killer. LaPlante was predisposed to violent and disruptive behavior from day one. And as we know, his home life was a mess. So his nature had loaded the gun and his nurture pulled the trigger. This is a really simple idea, right? Nature and nurture, but I still find it crazy how things just happen so perfectly to create like a monster of a person or like the most talented person in the world or a leader. It's just like you have to have the perfect conditions to turn out one of these ways. And most of us want that perfect condition to become like a super talented actor or super talented somebody or leader. Also, the perfect condition can happen to create the worst people in this world. I think some of us know somebody in our lives that are pretty close to us. So we, you know, have enough information to really gauge this. But there are some people like in your life who you can tell like, I feel like you were born to be a more angry person person but thankfully your upbringing and everything you've had to go through wasn't bad enough for you to become a complete monster or even vice versa you might know someone who just seems like so patient so kind and even in the roughest condition that they grew up in they still ended up being okay so by the age of 15 laplan becomes the neighborhood thief he would break into people's homes in the night and steal their valuables like jewelry and money and play little mind tricks with them. He would leave items behind and move things around the house to scare them. See, if he had a normal upbringing, he would be one of those teenage boys who on the inside, you know, loves pulling pranks and being a punk. 
But with his upbringing, that type of energy is now used to do very malicious and very illegal things. So this was just the gateway to the terrors that would happen. In 1986, LaPlante took 15-year-old Tina Bowen on a date, which is shocking to me considering he was seen as the weird loner kid at school. There's not much more information about this, but I wonder if it was like a pity date, like, hey, if you decide that you want to hurt a whole bunch of people at school, maybe spare me if I go on this date with you. Or maybe she saw something in him and wanted to fix him. I don't know. But it doesn't really matter because they would only ever have one date. Apparently, when Bowen went to school after their date on Easter break, several students went up to her and told her that LaPlante was facing rape charges. So I assume she just never spoke to him again. So I don't know if these rape allegations were true. There doesn't seem to be much information about if he had done something like this before everything that's about to happen. But honestly, it was for the best. And also, Townsend is a very small town. As of now, the population of the town is around 10,000. So I assume that news spreads very fast in this town and they probably knew that she went on a date with him and they wanted to warn her. So even though they only went on one date, that didn't mean that he was done with it or her. No, he was obsessed with her. Maybe even more so now that he can't have her. But Tina puts it behind her and moves on. At home, she has a normal life, compared to LaPlante, at least. She lived with her father and sisters, and unfortunately, her mother had passed away recently. Of course, as a young girl, she misses her mother. So along with her sister, they use a Ouija board to try and contact her. Were they successful? Not really, I don't believe they were able to contact their mom, but they may have conjured up something else. Weird things started happening around the house, and it would last for several weeks. TV channels would change, items would move around, and weirdly, the milk would be at a lower level as if someone drank it. Same with the alcohol, the bottles would be emptied out seemingly on their own. So it seems like spirits or people who have passed still get thirsty for cow's milk after they die. The Bowen sisters take note of these things and believe that the house might be haunted after their night with the Ouija board. I mean, it makes total sense to them. They were messing with a spirit board, trying to contact spirits, and there have been so many stories about things going wrong from using Ouija boards and people summoning up spirits that won't leave. So they tell their dad about the happenings, but he thinks that they're lying or messing with each other. That is such a dad thing to do or parent thing to do where they never really believe their kids. But I think it's specifically when it comes to like spooky things, parents never believe any of that stuff or they don't want to scare their kids. So they always say like, oh, it's probably something that you can explain away or it's probably you guys and one of you doesn't know it as a kid and even as an adult i'm gonna be honest those are my favorite types of pranks to pull i don't know if anyone remembers ask peter if you don't it's basically this website where you ask peter questions and he basically has the answers it's like he's all-knowing or he's a ghost or something like that 
but really it's the person who's typing in the question. The way it works is that you have to type, Peter, please answer. And then you type your question and he knows the answer. But really, when you're typing out Peter, please answer, you're really typing out the answer. It's just that on the screen, it appears as if you're typing Peter, please answer. And no one's checking the keyboard to see if you're really typing the exact letters, you know? So it's a way to just prank people into thinking that Peter is like real and he's a real ghost that can see and knows everything. And I would use that to prank people into thinking that there were ghosts in the room. So I did this at work, which um, <laughs> I do not recommend you doing that. But basically to my coworker, I showed it to her and I asked, Peter, are you in the room? And I put yes. And I also put, are you here with anyone else? And I put yes. And before all of this, I had rigged some items in the room with strings so that when I moved my foot, <laughs> it would move. So I asked Peter, if you're really here, show us a sign. And so I moved my foot and the string was attached to this like figurine we had made. So it's like a person figurine. And I made it basically turn towards my coworker. And the fear in her eyes was, I'm sorry, it was hilarious. So after that, um, I got pulled into HR. <laughs> I didn't that time actually, but other times I played way too many pranks at that job. So I did, I did have a chat with HR, but yeah. So people pull those pranks all the time. So that's just what their dad has in mind. So all of these things were happening, but it didn't just end there. Things became way more sinister. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The ghost started writing messages. Tina Bowen came into a room and on the wall, it read, marry me. Another message read, I'm in your room. Come find me. The messages were written with mayonnaise and ketchup. So either... Ghosts can pick up physical items and write with them, or maybe it wasn't a ghost. At one point, they also discovered a bathtub full of urine and a trail of pennies scattered on the floor. That makes me want to projectile vomit. Just finding a bathtub where you're supposed to be getting clean full of someone else's urine. I would, I would have to leave bleach in that tub for a whole week to feel a sense of safety again. So Frank Bowen, their father, starts to think, okay, maybe the girls are onto something, but he's still not sure. 
Because what really happened, I don't think any of us could ever even guess that that would be the case. On December 8th, 1986, the girls come home and find that someone used their toilet. There doesn't seem to be more information on this, so did he leave the seat up? Did he take a massive dump and not flush? Who knows? But this is what finally set off Frank. So Frank starts searching the house. He's searching and then he comes to a wardrobe. And when he opens the door, he finds LaPlante huddled inside, face painted, wearing a Native American style jacket and ninja mask with a hatchet and steel wrench in hand. He steps out, holds it up to Frank and forces him and the girls into a room. He then stepped out for whatever reason and Tina took this as her chance to escape and save her family. She climbs out the window and runs to a neighbor's house to get help. When the police arrive, LaPlante is nowhere to be found. So these girls weren't crazy and they weren't messing with each other. LaPlante had been in their home messing with them, but how has he been able to do it without going unnoticed? They still didn't know at this point. Tina is such a brave girl for jumping out that window the chance she got. Because I feel like, at least for myself, I would be scared that if I decided to move, to make a move, and he came right at that second, that I would die. So is it safer to not do anything? To make that split second decision is such a power, to be honest. I don't think a lot of us have it because we're just, in those moments, it's so understandable to be scared. So of course, the Bowen family are completely freaked the fuck out. So they leave their home for a bit and stay at a hotel for safety. Two days later, Frank goes back to their home to grab a few things. As he's approaching the house, he looks a little closer at the window into their home and he sees someone in there. I'm not sure why, but he still does go inside the house and finds a threatening scene. On the wall, he sees a picture of his family pinned by a knife and a message that says, I'm still here, come find me. On another wall, there's another picture saying, I'm going to kill you all. So the police get called and a search is immediately done in the house. They check the rooms, the closets, nothing. It turns out he was hiding in their walls. Yeah, they found him behind a wall in the bathroom. There was a triangular space in the corner bounded by the concrete foundation of the house, but he was in there. He had been living in their walls for weeks. Some sources say that he was in there for almost a year. Going in and out, of course, he wasn't like living in there or staying in there full time. He had gotten in from a small crawl space that apparently some parts of it were no wider than six inches. I mean, this dude must be super scrawny with a very small head because six inches is nothing. I feel like I'm pretty small and six inches would, for, for one, make me super claustrophobic, but two, I would get stuck in there and probably just die trying. I think he's also a very tall person. I don't know exactly how tall, but he's been described as being tall. So he was determined to get into the house because that is insane. So he was watching their every move, messing with them and drinking their milk and alcohol. LaPlante was there when the Bowen sisters played with the Ouija board, trying to contact their mother. 
which gave him more reason to mess with them. So they find him inside the wall, and the officer pulls out his gun and said, let me see your hands or I will splatter your brains all over that wall. That cop definitely felt good saying that line. He, he felt like a cop in a movie. But hey, we do have to give it to him because he found this psycho in the wall. So LaPlante was arrested and because he's 16 years old at the time, he's held in a juvenile facility until October of 1987. So that's a little less than a year. What got him out was his mom, Eleanor Moore. She remortgaged their home to pay for the $10,000 bond. That's about $27,000 in today's money. I swear, a mother's love is crazy. It will make a mother do things that just aren't reasonable. I feel like this is also what scares me about being a mother, which I have no kids, but it's that it changes your brain so much. I mean, after what he did, he terrorized a whole family. She wanted to get him out. Why? I feel like only a mother's love can really explain that. She just wants to protect her child. While also growing up, she did think that Daniel was a golden child. I have no idea why. I don't know what he did to deserve that title. Maybe it's because it's her son. To us, it's so easy to say, why would you do that? He's a criminal. But I'm telling you, a mother's love. I, I cannot even fathom what that does to your brain. Speaking of the brain, I want to talk about Magic Mind for a second. I've talked about Magic Mind in previous episodes and I am a huge fan of it. It's an elixir shot that boosts your energy, your productivity, and is really good for the brain. It also has a good amount of caffeine because there's matcha in it. And I drink this in place of coffee because I can't really drink coffee anymore these days since it gives me crazy anxiety. So I like how Magic Mind wakes me up in a healthier way, but also has all of these good ingredients in it. There's lion's mane and ashwagandha, which are known to do incredible things for your brain. And overall, the ingredients are very clean, which I really appreciate. For any of my friends who are trying to cut back on caffeine, I recommend Magic Mind because it's going to help them wake up, but also it has all of these other benefits, so I feel really good about recommending this to them. So if you want to try it out, go to magicmind.com forward slash cookiescrime. You can also use my discount code cookiescrime to get 20% off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase. So LaPlante gets released from Juvie, and just two months after that, he would commit his worst crime. While awaiting trial, LaPlante moved home and continued his daytime burglary spree. On October 14, 1987, he stole two 22 caliber firearms from a neighboring house, the Pindles house. On November 16th, a month later, LaPlante burglarized the home of the Gustafsson family which included pregnant nursery school teacher Priscilla Gustafson, her husband, Andrew, and their two children, five-year-old William and seven-year-old Abigail. They were a young couple who moved to Townsend five years prior. He stole multiple things from their home, including a cordless phone and a cable box. On December 1st, he decided to return to their home to steal a couple more things. And this was his typical MO. He would break into people's homes steal items, and if he ever saw them coming in the door, he would flee. But not this time. 
Priscilla was last seen alive picking up William from a babysitter around 1 p.m. She then went home, where LaPlante was still in the house. Instead of running, he decided to stay. He confronted Priscilla with the gun he had stolen from the Pindles' house. He locked William in the closet and tied up Priscilla up to her bed in the primary bedroom and gagged her with one of his socks. That is just so disgusting that he would use his own sock. Someone who lacks hygiene. He literally took off his sock and put it in her mouth. That part makes me really upset. But unfortunately, it gets worse. He then raped Priscilla and then shot her twice in the head. After murdering Priscilla, LaPlante drowned William in the upstairs bathtub and set out to leave the home. But just as he was about to leave, Abigail returned from school. So he lured her into the downstairs bathroom and drowned her as well. She had blunt force trauma indicating that she had tried to fight for her life. He then fled the scene. He went home and acted like everything was normal and he even went to his niece's birthday party. And this is why you don't release dangerous criminals, even if they're juveniles. I mean, people get released all the time and I'm, I'm sure it's complicated and there are things that you and I don't understand, but I feel like someone who is living in a family's walls for maybe almost a year, that's a dangerous person. That's not just someone who even just like broke into someone's home and stole something. This person is not okay and they were released. Andrew Gustafsson came home from work that evening and discovered his wife's bloody body on the bed. He called the police around 5.30 p.m. He had only found his wife's body and immediately ran out of the house after that to call the police. He was too afraid to find his children dead. He told the Los Angeles Times in 1990, I was too afraid of going to look for my children because I was afraid I'd find them dead. It was so shocking and unbelievable. I screamed. I wailed. Oh God, ugh, that makes me so sad. I just see those images so clearly in my mind. And it just makes me so sad to think that this person was just screaming out of agony and there was just like nothing they could do. George Aho, a now retired police officer, found the bodies of Abigail and William in the separate bathtubs. Officers immediately named LaPlante as a suspect, considering it's a small town and he had been known for burglaries. I mean, Townsend is a town of 10,000 people. I feel like if there was some sort of robbery, it would have always made the news. And if someone had been robbed, I feel like it's safe to say it was probably LaPlante. Police found the shirt and gloves he wore to drown the children in the woods behind the house, still wet. With the scent of the shirt, they used tracking dogs to lead them to the suspect, and the dog brought them straight to LaPlante's home. The evening after the Gustafsson murders, LaPlante was interrogated, but lacking enough evidence at the time to arrest him, police planned to return the following day. But LaPlante fled and a massive manhunt ensued. I feel like the law is so complicated because they knew, they were probably like 99% sure LaPlante had done this, but they just didn't have the evidence. So technically he had to be free, completely free for another day. And that gives anyone who is guilty enough time to run, which is what he did. 
LaPlante went on another burglary spree in Pepperell. Lieutenant Lane was part of the search efforts for the teen and happened to be on Jewett Street on December 3rd. On that street was resident Lynn McGovern, who approached him to ask if he could escort her into her house. McGovern drove into her garage and had a very uncomfortable feeling and immediately drove back out. And that's when she saw the lieutenant. When McGovern and Lieutenant Lane entered the home, they found LaPlante, who jumped out a window and escaped into the woods. He later returned to Elm Street, which is the street he lived on, and forced resident Pam McKella into her car. But he escaped again when Michaela jumped from the vehicle. Later that evening, LaPlante was taken into custody after officers found him hiding in a trash can in nearby Ayers, Massachusetts. The intuition of this woman to not go into her house was insane. Things like that, to me, just feel like divine intervention. Maybe something did set her off, like maybe she didn't know that something major in her garage had moved, but something fell off. But still, you know, some people might just brush that off and go into their home, but she knew to not even get out of her car and drive back out. And the fact that a police officer was right there, basically waiting for her to ask him to escort her into her own home. Things like that, just like those coincidences, if that's what it is, is just so crazy. She could have been another victim. So LaPlante went on trial for the Gustafson murders in October 1988, and a jury found him guilty of the murders. He was convicted on three life sentences. Then, on March 22, 2017, a re-sentencing hearing for LaPlante was held at the Middlesex Superior Court in Woburn, Massachusetts. LaPlante asked for a reduction in his sentence. LaPlante was arrested when he was 17 years old. It's also crazy to think that if he had waited just a few months and turned 18 and committed these crimes, he would have absolutely no chance of ever getting out. But because he committed a crime a few months before he turned 18, he could possibly get out. Again, so strange. There was also a new law allowing juveniles convicted of murder with extreme cruelty and atrocity to ask for parole after they've been behind bars for a minimum of 30 years. But the judge, however, affirmed LaPlante's sentence of three consecutive terms of life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 45 years. As a part of the appeal, a forensic scientist has to evaluate LaPlante, but they found that he still had no empathy and was not remorseful for his crimes, which is why the judge affirmed his sentence. So technically, he still has the possibility of parole in 45 years, which I can't do the math right now. And I feel like if he were to get out, I mean, his whole life has been a whole train wreck, whether it was done onto him or he did onto other people. I just don't think that it would be safe for him to ever get out. So more than 30 years later, Tina Bowen, the main focus of LaPlante's rage, said she forgives him and doesn't have any ill feelings towards him. Kathy, Tina's older adopted sister, on the other hand, still can't sleep in the dark and is counting the days until he dies. So that is the case of Daniel LaPlante, the boy in the walls. And with that, let's get into some cookies and crime trivia. So it was recently National Cookie Day. National Cookie Day was on December 4th. I didn't celebrate it myself because I 
totally forgot that that is a day, but honestly, it's not that important. So whatever, I skipped it. But who made National Cookie Day official? These are actual official holidays. So is it A, the Mondelez International Company who makes Oreos and Chips Ahoy? B, Keebler, which is the brand with the little elf man? C, Nestle, who makes Toll House cookies? Or D, Blue Chip Cookie Company, which makes gourmet cookies? I'll give you five seconds. And the answer is D, Blue Chip Cookie Company. They were the first to make the white chocolate macadamia cookie. The more you know. So now for the crime trivia. So LaPlante was arrested as a juvenile. What is the percentage range of juveniles who will be re-arrested within a year of release? Is it A, 10%, B, 30%, C, 50% or D, 80%. I'll give you five seconds. The answer is C. It's about 55% of juveniles will be re-arrested within a year of their release. That sounds like an abnormal amount of juveniles getting re-arrested. This doesn't mean that they are put back in jail. They just get arrested and you know they might be released after their arrest but that shouldn't be right you know the fact that half of juveniles end up getting arrested again it means that they weren't really reformed and that's a whole other conversation about the justice system and prison system juvenile system it's more about punishment in the u.s than really reforming anybody but especially with juveniles i their brains are still developing i feel like they should be really focusing on kids and making sure that they are okay when they get out. So it's a very complicated matter that, you know, I do want to look into more, especially when it comes to other countries and what they do with their prisoners, because I feel like it's so different from us and they're probably doing a way better job. But that is all for this episode of Cookies and Crime. It's the holiday season, so I hope you guys are in the holiday spirit and having an amazing time. Make sure to subscribe and follow to Cookies and Crime so you can be one of the first people to listen to episodes once they come out. Episodes come out bi-weekly, and I will talk to you guys next time. Stay safe out there. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.